to the Hockey Pod, um, the FAH monthly podcast that brings you news and views from across the world of international hockey. Um, it's fair to say today's show is clanking with the sound of Olympic medals um, as we welcome uh, two medal winning coaches and a gold medal winning athlete. So uh, hello to you all. I'm just going to do a quick roundtable introduction um, and then we'll get going. Uh, we've got a little bit of an Oceania feel to the show today as we talk to Netherlands head coach Alison Anan, a legend of the game who hails from Australia and won Olympic gold with the Hockeroos in 1996 and 2000. She's been head coach to the Ranji now for six years and in that time has won just about every title in the game and personally she's also been voted FIH coach of the year for the past three years. So welcome to you Alison, how are you today? Thank you, how are you? Yeah good, all good. Um, we also welcome Mark Hager who like Alison is a former Olympian with Australia playing in the 1988 and 1996 Olympic Games. Mark was head coach of the New Zealand Black Sticks before joining Great Britain and England as head coach. Um, and he led the Great Britain women's team to bronze in the Olympic Games um, in Tokyo. Hi, Mark. Hi, Sarah. I won't ask you how you are because, um, as the uh, listeners will uh, doubtless work out, you've got a little bit of a sore throat going on there. Just at the a cold. Moment. Yeah, just, just a man flu. A bit of a man flu. <laughs> um, and with a player's perspective, we're also delighted to welcome Belgium's Thomas Briels. Uh, this is actually Thomas's fourth Olympics and with a silver from 2016 and now a gold from Tokyo. Um, Thomas, it's just getting better and better for you. How are you today? Uh, very well. Enjoying a, a well-deserved break. Um, and also, fresh from reporting pitch side in Tokyo, we've got my co-host Richard Stainthorpe. Welcome back, Rich. Um, have you come down from the highs of watching um, a couple of incredible final days of action over there in Tokyo? Uh, yeah, just about. It wasn't just the two days of, uh, of the finals and uh, the bronze medal matches, which were incredible, but the the whole competition was was fantastic, and, and it was a real privilege to be out there, um, especially when so many people could not be there with with no fans. Um, but it was it was an amazing amazing competition. Very very hot conditions, as everyone on this call will will no doubt um, uh, testify. Uh, but it, but it was it was fabulous. So yeah, and and how are you, Sarah? Did did you enjoy your Tokyo Hockey Daily show? I thoroughly enjoyed the Tokyo uh, Daily Hockey Show. I didn't enjoy the 1.50 a.m. start in the morning every day watching these matches. But uh, I've got to say, I mean, every single day it was absolutely full of action. And there were some, there were some brilliant, brilliant matches. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable, as was actually the whole Olympics, uh, you know, because there were some really great new sports added and, and a, real good, uh, a real good vibe from Tokyo. Um, before we kick off with sort of the, 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 the main questions, I just wondered if – um, I could just ask the people on the show just a little bit about Tokyo and the Olympics. It was a very, very different experience. But just to ask you, you first, um, Alison, your, your general reflection, not on the hockey, but on the Olympics, you know, what, the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, I actually thought it was very well organised. I thought that uh, it's probably except for the first day travel that I think every team had trouble with getting to, to look from the pitch. But, uh, you know, I think it was fantastically organised. I think that... Uh, it's a shame that Tokyo didn't get to showcase what they had in store for everyone. I just absolutely I think it was absolutely sensational. Yeah. Um, the, the supporter, the the, um, the volunteers were great. I think the organisation was great. The village was fantastic. Uh, you know, it's just a shame that you know not the whole world got to you know, see that and be part of it. Yeah, uh, Thomas, as an athlete, I mean, you've got a lot of Olympic experience under your belt. As as an Olympics, that that Tokyo experience, what did you feel about it? Yeah, it was uh, was strange just uh, walking uh, walking into the stadium uh, without any people and yeah, a lot of uh, security and, and and corona testing and and all of that. But uh, yeah, I think it's amazing what what they did uh, and yeah, it uh, enabled us to yeah, to be able to to play uh, and to compete. And um, yeah, I think the people of of Tokyo maybe at first they were not su such a fan picks, but I think if they saw all the athletes competing and giving their best, I think their, their mind changed pretty quickly. And uh, and you saw just a lot of support uh, during the whole, whole of the Olympics. So that was yeah really, really cool to see. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a very, very good Olympics. The biggest thing that I noticed was from previous Olympics is the first week when we were preparing, there lots of people around, the food hall was packed. But as as it progressed, I think the strangest thing was the amount of people that were not there. After you know, once you finished competing, after forty eight hours, you were you know moved back home. So uh, yeah, it sort of felt yeah a bit bit strange by the second week when yeah you go to the food hall and there was plenty of space. 
Uh, they were shutting down certain areas of the food hall because there weren't as many athletes or staff around. So, yeah, that, that was probably the biggest and the weirdest thing for me. Um, well, I think we'll start with with Alison, though. Um, obviously, you've, you've won everything now with, with the Netherlands. You, you are the current title holders of the, the World, the World Cup, the Europeans, uh, the Pro League, and obviously now the Olympic gold medal. Um, what, what does that what does that mean to you personally and also to your team? Uh, I just, I mean, what does it mean? Yeah, we wanted to be number one. We wanted to be the best and uh, having to continually compete at the absolute top level. I think other teams got very, you know, played very well and were performing extremely well, which put a bit more pressure on us to um, really up it every time. And uh, I think I underestimated the pressure on the girls at the Olympics. Um, we talked about it, but we didn't talk about it a lot, you know, the pressure of, uh, of being number one. And particularly back at home, a lot of people just expect us to win and have little... Um, yeah, little, I, I just don't think that they value the other teams as much as we do. Um, so they just, you know, the pressure back at home was more than the pressure outside of outside of Holland. Um, so I guess, you know, winning, the girls winning was for them such a huge step um, in, you know, in overcoming all of the pressure that they had back at home and the pressure they put on themselves. Um, you know, and I'm just a proud coach of being in front of such a good team. I think that's a really interesting point because, I mean, for a lot of, certainly for, for a lot of media as well, there, there is that expectancy. It's like, well, the Netherlands are going to win it because they're clearly the best, but it doesn't always work that way. And, and I mean, did, did you also feel that pressure as well or, or, or was it just, just the players? No, I think, you know, I, I think every, every one of our staff felt the pressure from outside, uh, you know, particularly from Holland. Um I guess what keeps us going is that we have a lot of a lot of respect for uh, our opposition, um, which means that we are always looking to improve. We're always looking to, you know, uh, be better than we were the day before, and um, that means that if we do that as a staff, that the players are, you know, are fed that and and have actually taken taken over that from us. So we, you know, the work for us in the end was became less and less because they became. More hungry, or hungrier to um, improve each time. You know, even at the Olympics, we had to start taking a little bit of the criticism away from them and talking more about, you know, how good they are. Um, we, you know, we had a lot of faith in in our team. We had a lot of faith in what we could do, but we weren't. We were very uh, weary of our opposition, knowing that it's the Olympic Games and anything can happen at the Olympics. Yeah. Can I just dive in there? Did you um, have a um, a policy on social media. So, were your players picking up comments from home during the tournament, or was it pretty much they knew what the situation would be at home rather than actually seeing specific comments? Uh, to be honest, I have absolutely no idea what the girls. Uh, they had their own rules. They had their own uh, regulations within the sixteen. Um, I do not know what it was, so I don't know what they read. I, you know, that's something that's they, they, they took. Full responsibility off. Um, I believe that they didn't have any. They took off, you know, the hockey print, uh, dot and L uh, website, and uh, where there's a lot of criticism of the girls. They play one match, what others see as a poor match. It's you know they're they're, they're back to zero. They're not very good. Uh, you know, I'm a very bad coach. All of that sort of stuff, uh, you know, goes on the site. So I, I believe that they took that off. But I, you know, I really don't know. It's something that the girls are responsible for. Uh, we spent a lot of time prior to the Olympics working on um, setting boundaries and uh, talking about the boundaries and what effects that has on us as people and as uh, as, as, as players. So I think that's two separate things. Um, and they took complete responsibility of that. So, you know, I, I don't think that they read a lot, but you also have family and friends who said, you know, did you hear about this and did you read about that? And they'll tell you anyway. Um, so that's, you know, I, I guess... In the end, they limited themselves and um, read only the good stuff when they got home. 
It's tough. That's, that's a really interesting insight, though, because I think we we all as outsiders see it as being very easy for you. You know, OK, we're winning, we're playing well. And, and you, we we forget about the the external pressure that you guys have come, that's coming from Holland. I think on, on that point, it's worth bringing in um, bringing in, in Mark and Thomas as well. I mean, let, let's start with with Thomas. Um, did, did you feel uh, pressure to, to win win that Olympic gold medal uh, or, or, or was it? Um, or did you just kind of uh, take it very much in your stride? Well, it was was a bit weird situation for Belgium to be in. It was the first time we, I think, openly admitted that we want to yeah, go for gold. In 2016, uh, yeah, we really wanted the medal. And when we won the, the semi-final, we were so happy um, that we didn't really perform and we lost focus for, for the final. And uh, we were, yeah, we really didn't want that to happen again. Uh, but we had the experience of the World Cup, uh, winning the World Cup, uh, and then the European Cup as well. So it was for us the first time we really said, yeah, okay, we want to play for gold. We all already have the, the silver, so it would be weird to say, yeah, we, we, we go for a, a bronze medal or a silver medal. Um, but uh, that was really the first time, I think, in, in, in Belgium history, we openly admitted that we want to be Olympic champion. And yeah, that gave a little bit of extra pressure, but I think we were really confident that we had a team to to do it. And yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think everyone to to remain focused until until the end. And um, in Belgium, it's a bit bit different than Holland. I mean, I'm playing in Holland for uh, almost ten years, and they they don't expect to win, but they want to win and play really beautiful hockey. And <laughs> so they're a bit. Um, yeah, faster to critique, and yeah, we we as a as a country come from from far, so uh, everything we did the last five years, we only get positive uh, yeah positive feedback from people and from from journalists and things like that. So I think we're a bit bit more lucky with the with the media in Belgium, and they're a bit more supportive than sometimes uh, in Holland when things are going good. Um, so yeah, in in that in that area, we don't have as much pressure, I think, than, than a big country like uh, the Netherlands. Um, and to you, to you Mark, um, I realise it was a, a very different group to, to um, the, the, Rio, the Rio team, but, but was there a, a sense of pressure in trying to defend that gold medal or was it just about this new group trying to achieve something, um, something on their own? A uh, new group, uh, yeah. I mean, I only came in two and a half years ago and... Um, and the girls since the last Olympics would, would say they haven't performed as, as well as they would have liked over that four year period. So we were very, we were very proud of where we finished. Um, you know, if I look at when I first came in in 2019, we didn't have a very good pro league. 220, we started off all right uh, with our tour to Aussie and New Zealand and then the pandemic hit. Um, uh, and then obviously yeah, everyone was going through different phases on what you could do we we didn't have any club hockey here and i think that hurt um us a little bit because the girls couldn't go out and just play club hockey and enjoy it with their mates um it was just international training playing um, whatever games we could get so from that point of view not not so much the pressure of being defending champions i mean the media and everybody else puts puts that on a tag on us but uh, we knew we we're a new team we knew we had to perform to the best of our ability, um, which I think, you know, we, we did pretty well at the Olympics. Um, so to finish with a bronze medal after probably where this team's been, um, particularly the last two and a half years, no, we're very proud of what, what we achieved. Yeah, I mean, on that point, I, I think um, GB winning a bronze medal this time around to people who know hockey and have watched the journey for the last five years, probably the bronze medal was a surprise. Because, as you say, it was a, it was a different team. They were still building, but in terms of um, the manner of them winning the bronze medal, where they actually went behind and came back, and they showed, I thought, quite a lot of resi- well, a lot of resilience in that match. They also bounced back from losing to the Netherlands in the previous match. How important are all of those experiences for this squad as they move forwards now? Um, I'm sure. I mean, we we didn't win too many games that were close, or when we were we were behind the last two and a half years. So to be able to do that in the bronze medal game was very pleasing. Although I was walking downstairs when India scored their third um, and it sort of came out and went, oh God, what's happened here? Um, going from 2-0 up to 3-2 down at half time. Um, but it was calm in the change rooms. The girls had belief and we felt that if we kept doing our process as well, that you know, we had the ability to score goals. We were creating enough chances. Um, it was just a matter of just 
making sure we put a couple of those away, which we did. Um, so from that point of view, it was pleasing. Uh, I suppose for me, my last game with the GB women's team to to you know be able to come from behind was very very good. Just looking now before we um, sort of head into the actual looking at the, the the event itself. Just in the in the lead up, this is a question for Alison, but I'm again going to ask Thomas and Mark, Mark to come in on this. It's been a very it was a very different build up, obviously, to these Olympics. Um, but we still saw the Dutch players visiting other parts of Japan, uh, notably Gifu, um, and getting to know the Japanese culture um, ahead of moving into the Olympic Village. Just for you as a coach, I know this is something you feel very deeply about. Why is it so important for you that your players get an experience at these events that is more than just about the hockey? Oh, look, we just went to Gifu to uh, acclimatise. That was uh, We were going to go for uh, two weeks, but given the extreme measures that they took, we had to cut that back to a week. Uh, so we were there really for, um, look, prior to, prior to the pandemic, we were there to experience more of the culture, but because of the pandemic, we just went there to acclimatise. Nothing more, nothing less. I mean, we weren't allowed to, we weren't allowed out of our hotel rooms, uh, our, our floor for a week. Uh, 30 minutes in the morning at 7am, we were allowed to go up onto the roof and look around. And for the rest, it was our hotel floor. Um, the year before, uh, in 2019, we went there for a cultural visit just to experience the, the people of Japan and understand what it means to the Japanese to hold this Olympics, but also how we have to um, be, you know, how we have to be uh, in our, you know, in a hotel room. Um, they're quiet. They say they say yes when they mean no. You know, there's a lot of things they if they don't answer, it's a no. You know, it's that's things that you need to experience to be able to get the best out of, or at least to be in a to have a calming mind. Of, a peace of mind you know if you're struggling to understand why uh, or struggling to understand a culture you're going to spend a lot of time trying to understand the culture instead of just relaxing in your room or, or or dealing with what you have to deal with as a hockey player so for us it's in the end going to Gifu was uh, after the pandemic was just for acclimatization nothing more than that it's I mean it's something that you do feel quite strongly about though isn't it it's, it's more than just um, the the time that you spend training on the pitch, it's about developing your players as wider human beings as well. I mean, this is something I'm going to ask the other two about as well. But this this, this whole thing about just taking it beyond just a hockey player into into the way that you behave in in wider life. Well, look, I really believe that the players who come into a national program are already very good players, and what makes them great players is is making them greater people and having them understand themselves more. Uh, being able to deal with certain situations better and becoming better people. And um, once you, once you, look, if I was, uh, if I was 23, 24 and knew myself much better than I did then, I may have been a better hockey player than I was. So that's the way I try and uh, coach our players, is, you know, understand yourself more, understand why you uh, react certain ways to certain things. Um, so, I mean, I spend more time, coaching those aspects of the players than or, or people than coaching the players. You know, the game, the game's just such a small part of it. What you do on the hockey field and the technical side of things is such a small part of the winning is what, what we think and what we believe, you know, and I think if you spend more time self as a coach, understanding the players, understanding how they react and how, you know, the, the, the converse between the two um you're not only helping them become the best players they can be, but you're also adding a little bit to them as people. Yeah, and I, I guess the, the reverse of that is they will understand you better as a coach as well because you're engaging in things that aren't just about coaching. So when you have difficult conversations, it becomes easier or it becomes easier to understand those conversations even if perhaps you don't accept them. Yeah, but they're, then they're not difficult conversations and that's the thing. You know, it's, it opens up to a... A conversation where both parties it might be uncomfortable but it's not difficult there's a big difference between uncomfortable and difficult and um you know i really believe that uh, at, at, at tokyo both uh, the players and the staff knew each other so much better than we'd ever known each other before because we spent a lot of time during the pandemic on zoom uh, discussing certain aspects of life and uh, dealing with certain situations and you know, it's not about how we play the game. Same for you, Mark. I mean, you, you obviously have had a lot less time with the with the Great Britain and England players than uh, than certainly Alison's had with her team. But is that sort of that development of a culture and that development as 
of the players as not just being exceptional hockey players, but being exceptional human beings. Is that very much part of your your philosophy as well? Yeah, very much so. I mean, our, our sports psychologists uh, brought that in. We did very similar to Alison during the pandemic. It was an opportunity to get to know each other. Um, we did these personality profiles that you know gave us an idea of how we operated as individuals. Um, and what I really liked is it was players and staff. It just wasn't about the players. It was it was a whole family type attitude. Um, and on the culture side in Japan, we we were lucky enough. We went to uh, Hiroshima or Hiroshima 12 months out. And that was an eye opener for me when you went through the history of what happened there. Um, we went to the memorial center there, um, had the photos up of, you know, how it happened. And, and I remember having to walk out because I just could, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, seeing young kids, you know, on fire, burnt, that sort of stuff. It was just hard to fathom what they went through um, during that time. So, uh, again, I thought it was a, a really good eye opener for our girls, our staff, that this is what, you know, it's not, this is what it was like um, in Japan and then a little, to get to know a little bit of their history as well. But, um, yeah, really, really opened our eyes. And, yeah, as I said, we, we did very similar to Alison with the, players and staff around getting to know each other, which I think helps. Um, it helped me immensely. And I think the players got to know me and how I, I operated as well. So from that point of view, it was very helpful. Um, Thomas, just from a, from a player's perspective, um, is it on your – are you conscious – that the coaches are working hard in this respect to develop you as more than hockey players? Because I know, um, particularly with the Belgium squad, um, during the pandemic, you did quite a lot of personal development that, again, wasn't necessarily hockey, but you were encouraged by the coaching staff to explore new new hobbies, new pastimes, or to get qualifications or whatever. Are you, are you aware as a player of this work that's going on behind the scenes, or is it something that just happens? No, it's, uh, it's something uh, we worked on uh, yeah, a lot, uh, especially when Shane came. Um, we weren't really, really a team, and uh, he made us really uh, a band of brothers. And uh, also the slogan we, we live by is better, better people make better uh, red lines. Mm. Uh, and that's something, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a privilege for for a play, for players. I think to represent your country and play hockey with 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 your friends. But I think yeah, the most important thing is you develop as a person. Um, I remember being 20 years old and going to India, uh, seeing people living on the street and and yeah, almost dying on the streets. And yeah, it makes it makes you think about life. And I think that's yeah something uh, we really need to appreciate. Uh, yeah, the what what we're be, being giving a gift. It's hard work, but I think yeah, you learn so much uh, being a professional athlete, hockey player. Um, just yeah, how to interact in a in a group, in a team environment. How to interact with people uh, at the highest level when the pressure is the highest. Yeah, you need to trust each other and you need to be able to say everything to each other. And I think uh, yeah, that's yeah something I cherished. I think the the most about uh, about my career. Um, so yeah, I, I was going to um, come come to the uh, come to the coaches at, about now performance at, at the at the Olympic Games, um, and, and we'll we'll start with Alison. I mean, obviously there were you're clearly very satisfied with with, with the outcome, but um, what kind of challenges did you did you go through in, in Tokyo? I mean, clearly the temperature was a factor, and and a very intense schedule. Um, how did it all play out for you? Uh, I think that you know I think we had a, a good schedule. I think we were lucky with our schedule. We played one double. Um, I think the most difficult double, um, having played uh, England uh, on the day after, which was you know a tough, the toughest match for us. I think the, the, our first pool game um, that we really struggled was were, was against uh, England, uh, and I think that that came at a good time for us. I think that we uh, the, the previous matches we played well, we did okay, but weren't performing as good as we could have, and I think that. The game against England really, you know, woke us up a bit. You know, we we, we and 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 also uh, taught a few of our players that they were playing at international level. You know, we had a, we had a lot of players that had been there for the first time, and had maybe had it easier in previous uh, matches, uh, and then played against England and a, a physical, very tough team to play against. Uh, and they hid. They, you know, that was a game that we needed to play to have them be aware of that they're playing at the Olympic Games and it's a different, you know, it's a different level. Um, so I was grateful to be playing England at that time and uh, having such a such a tough match. 
and that sharpened us for the next uh, part of the you know leading up to the to the to the quarters. Uh, so it came at a, a good time for us, and I think after the after that game, we sharpened up a lot of things, and uh, we struggled with our corner. Uh, so we sharpened it up again after the after the England game. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about that and, and, and going through different scenarios, adding a few new things which we normally wouldn't have done uh, in a tournament, but did it in, did it in, uh, in Tokyo. Um, so I think you know we've got two parts of the tournament uh, pre uh, the full game against uh, England and post. So do you feel that that's the East? You mentioned that the the Great Britain game kind of sharpened you up did you feel that you your team kicked on after that then you, you you felt that you were playing much better hockey after that game yeah I think I think so I think uh as a, as a complete team I think prior to that game we had uh players that played well but not very well uh and uh, we weren't balanced as a team I think that we weren't great together we were good but we weren't great together and after that match you know a lot of players had to stand up and play a different game and that made us better and that made us uh, complete so I think that uh, you know it came at a very good a very good time for us and and you as, as as a coach I mean we've obviously seen you for many many years coaching from the side sometimes you get quite animated I thought I felt that this time around you were relatively chilled I mean is, is that a fair assessment or yeah look I had a I did I and I it was a goal of mine to I was confident I was confident in the players I was confident in the fact that if we played well, we could win. And I wanted to protrude that to the players. I wanted them to look to the sideline and know that I was calm. I was showing faith and confidence in them. And um, there's only, in my view, one one way to do that and is to become yourself. You know, my goal then on the sideline was to, when they came off the field and maybe weren't that calm, to calm them down. So, you know, and I guess if you exude some sort of confidence uh, then that you know shows off on the team and I think that did uh, that, that did so as well uh, I'm glad it was me it wasn't just me who noticed it then <laughs> it <was. laughs> I, I, I did have a few mentions uh, back at home uh, about that as well I, I thought that the you know the the boarding was a little too high because I'm quite small so they could have just lowered the boarding or given me a higher chair that I would have come out a little bit higher but you know <laughs> Things you have to deal with when you're small. <laughs> um, and uh, Mark, how, how was how was it for, for you um, with with your team performances? Did, was there was there a, a moment where you thought that um, that that you kind of turned a corner, or, or were you generally happy with the way your team performed? Uh, no, we were generally happy. Um, uh, I made it, well. We had a chat before. I made a conscious effort to go up in the uh, coach's box to get a better view uh, rather than be on the sideline. Um, yeah, we thought we performed well. The Dutch outplayed us in the semi-final. Um, they were better than us um, in that, and we have to concede that. You know, they deserved to to be in the gold medal match um, from that. That was probably our yeah. We found our poor performance, but it was also the Dutch played really well against us. So um, yeah, that's sometimes you just have to take that. Um, but apart from that, yeah, we thought we played pretty well throughout the whole Olympics. Um, even the German game we lost, and when we lost to Holland in the in the round games 1-0, we, we still think we played well in those games. Um, we just didn't put the, the score in the score in the net that we were, were after in those two games. But uh, apart from that, yeah, we thought we were pretty consistent throughout the whole Olympics. And for you, it, it must have meant a lot to actually get that medal because you, you'd come so close with New Zealand on two, two previous occasions. I mean, that, that must have been a really satisfying way to sign off. Yeah, it, it was, yeah. And, I mean, it's always interesting. I try not to think about um the previous two uh it did come up after we 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 got into the four and when we lost the semi people were saying oh let's not come forth let's not come forth and and i think that's that's probably an error that i had in my coaching um in the last two is i was probably too worried about coming forth rather about getting it right to play well on the day um and so from that point of view yeah it was it was very pleasing um, to finally get a, an Olympic medal as a coach and pleasing for the players because, you know, as we said, we've had this group's had a tough five years um, like everybody. And, you know, the, um, when you think about all of us around the world, the pandemic and we haven't been able to see families for long periods of time. Um, we can't travel like myself. I haven't seen my wife for 15 months. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to eventually getting back to 
back to New Zealand at some stage. I don't know when, um, but hopefully in the near future, yeah. Um, and then we can sort of set our lives and see where we want to go from here. Yeah, plenty to look forward to. Um, just coming to you, Thomas, um, I mean, obviously, like like Alison, gold medal, Olympic <laughs> gold medal. That's um, that's a, a pretty, pretty awesome way to uh, to finish what's been a very difficult, difficult period for you guys. Um, I just want to ask a question regarding the Euros, because it did seem that you were in the middle of a training program, uh, building towards the Olympics rather than having the, the Euros as, as like a, a main target. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Our main target was Olympic gold, and it's really difficult, maybe impossible to, I think, pick uh, two tournaments at this, yeah, in, in such a short time. Uh, yeah, we do a lot of work uh, on our loading and, and yeah, getting the body ready to play thir- uh, eight games in, in 13 days. Uh, and to play, yeah, you, you need to be... Uh, as fit as the first game in, in the final because that's the, that's the most important one. Uh, so yeah, it was very much we want. Of course, we, you want to perform, you want to win, and if we could have w- w- win it, it was also fine for us. But uh, yeah, the main focus was on uh, being ready for uh, yeah for the Olympic Games, and uh, we were probably not not as sharp, and all the details were not yet finished uh, at the Euros. But then again, we lost the semi-finals on on shootout, so for the same price you. You can you can win it as well. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. We were not so we didn't lose too much sleep uh, on the, on uh, not winning the Euros. No, understandable. And and um, I mean, it was it was a magnificent performance from you guys in in uh, uh, in Tokyo. Um, and obviously, Alexander Hendricks contributed quite heavily towards that with fourteen goals. I mean, there was talk in the media center that he might end up breaking uh, Thies Kreuz's um, 17 goal record that was at Munich in 1972. But it didn't quite get there, but 14 is a pretty good haul. Yeah, it's, it's crazy and yeah, so happy for him. He was he was not there. He was reserve player at, uh, at the Rio Olympic Games. So yeah, he worked so hard, uh, but not only on his corner, but also just in infield, how he defends. Uh, he's a really strong guy and uh, yeah, he's really contributed a lot on field and and then he yeah he gets a lot of trust from the whole team and uh yeah he has a lot of power so uh for us uh it was pretty yeah pretty cool to see because in rio i think i think two corners out of 30 35 and we managed to get silver which, which is pretty crazy if you think about it in, in in this game uh yeah now internationally uh and now we have a, a secret weapon with alex so it's not that secret anymore but um yeah, he, he was pushing uh, with a lot of confidence and then yeah, getting a stick on his head. Uh, the last pool game, getting, uh, I think he had, uh, I saw, I was two meters from him and I saw just blood pouring out. I think he had 10 stitches and then also stitches inside. And then, yeah, two days later, he plays, he plays the quarterfinal and he scores two times or something. So it's, yeah, just, uh, yeah, a lot of respect, uh, respect for him and, uh, yeah, really, really happy for him. I'm going to have to pick up on something you said there because you said about not peaking twice in a short space of time. So I'm just going to ask Alison, how do you do that? Maybe Belgian <laughs> men can learn from you. Uh, no, I think we were we were put in a certain situation that uh, we didn't generally want to be in because we wanted to actually play the Euros with uh, pretty much the Olympic team. But uh, when the players come out of club, uh, we had eight injuries uh, of our 23 uh, players. Uh, which meant that we had to pull in five players from a program that I was running alongside of our Olympic program. So I was running two programs at once during the pandemic year of the pandemic um, for the players that were above 21 uh, who were missing a year because of the Olympics. Uh, and I was able to pull players from there that ended up, uh, a few players ended up playing uh, the Euros. Um, so they'd run the same program and did actually very well at the Euros. We didn't, you know, we weren't sure how they would go and how they would do. Uh, if you look at Felice Albers, uh, she hadn't played any games prior. Uh, she was told in March we had a meeting that she wouldn't play the Olympics. She wasn't, uh, you know, there was too many things she had to work on um, and she went back and worked on it and performed very well at the Euros unexpectedly. Um, um, Stella van Gils hadn't been in a, in a national program at all. Um, she'd been in the program for me as a, as a potential and also did very well at the Euros. So I think these players 
actually played and ensured that the other players played well. Uh, so I think uh, that was a very balanced uh, tournament for us. Um, we struggled, I think, in the final, which was good, um, and did well. You know, we, we, got, we got two goals. We could have scored a goal early in the final, which might have made it a little easier from the Euros, but we didn't look to peak there. We looked to perform. I think uh, there's two different things in peaking and performing, and at the Olympics we were looking to perform and peak at the same time and at the Euros we were just looking to perform for a stepping stone uh, to the to the to the Olympics and given that the players that unexpectedly did very well uh, that helped us uh, win the tournament. Yeah I mean Felice Albers was a revelation wasn't she at the Olympics but uh, you know you, you say that wasn't quite going according to plan but actually fast tracking some of those players probably was an unintended um, benefit at the end of at the end of things because you know you saw what they could do in that situation and we, we do come on to this question a bit later but it also means that those players you say the match against Germany in the final of the Euros was quite tough it's actually very good for your players to have tough games isn't it because it doesn't happen that often well it happens more often than people think <laughs> um, and that's that's it's it's our job as coaches in the end to make them aware that it was a difficult game and you know look if I look at um a player like Frederick Mutler, uh, she scores a lot of goals, but you know she's still got a lot of, lot of she needs to develop her game. Mm. Uh, so we have players that perform well, but still have a lot of room for improvement. And Felice is the same. Uh, in March, she just wasn't performing and playing very well. And given a few, you know, ideas and tips to improve, brought her to a a possibility, uh, and that was meant playing the Europe, the Euros, and yeah, she was just great, and we couldn't not select her. Mm. Um, so her intention to play the Euros was just to give her a chance to play a tournament. It wasn't really uh, she's a, an Olympic contender, but she did so well that we couldn't, you know, we could, we couldn't go without her. Um, you know, it's give people a chance, give them a bit of confidence, uh, and you can go a long way. Yeah. Absolutely. In terms of that confidence, Mark, I mean, just looking at your team, GB grew hugely over the course of the tournament, I felt. Um, in terms of what areas improved from the start of the Tokyo Olympics through to the end, was it mainly psychological and, and confidence or, or were there other things that came into that as well? Uh, for us, oh, hard to put your finger on it, I think. Um, we had a lot of players who clicked at the right time. Um and I think that was a real bonus um, for us. They, um, yeah, they performed to the best of their ability on the best stage you can you can be on. So I think that really helped us. Um, the old cliche, game by game, match by match, was our uh, sort of mantra. We just we just knew, you know, got to make the quarterfinals, then hopefully win that one, then play the semi, and then go from there. So again, it, we didn't look past each game um, and each performance as an individual, we very much, uh, I mean, Holly Pernweb uh, and our leadership group, Giselle Ainsley and Laura Unsworth, were very much in control of how the group felt and how they wanted to perform. Um, they were always having um, player meetings separate to the coaches, um, which I thought was very, very good. Um, and I think they gained a lot of confidence from that as well. Thomas, um, if we could just come to the, um, the final that had to be like one of the most exciting men's finals that I've seen in, in quite a while. And there was a real shift in balance through the match, wasn't there, with Belgium sort of bossing the first the first half, Australia coming back in the second, um, and then obviously the shootout, and then thinking you'd won and then having to re redo the final shootout. Can you just sort of describe what it's like as a player with those – how do you keep your emotions in check during those sorts of matches? Because that – you know that that's that's everything, isn't it, on the pitch there? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think because of we uh, we had uh, experience in the the World Cup final and then the the European Cup final and then uh, Olympics as well in the final. Uh, a lot of guys were, I think, I think maybe fourteen guys already played an Olympic final. So I had really the the feeling everybody was relaxed and calm and had yeah trust that we were yeah, the better team and we could win it. We analyzed Australia a lot, so we knew where the yeah where the the space was. And uh, I think they played a really really good final and uh, it was really tough a really tough game. 
but like you said, the first half, I think we had some big chances, uh, and you hope you hope it's it, one goes in, it makes it a little bit more uh, more easy. Um, but yeah, it's always so close uh, final, and uh, yeah, you just don't want to get too many goals against, and so you, you try to defend really well, and uh, yeah, and yet, I think uh, draw was yeah, I think uh, fair fair result. Uh, and then, yeah, we know uh, we have Vincent van Asch in, in the goal. So, uh, yeah, that gives so much confidence. And I think it's not two times already. He came came up to me and said, uh, yeah, Tommy, uh, it's okay. I got this. And uh, I knew he, he didn't have so much time to shine, I think, during the during the games. Uh, I think he had some really good good saves, but he's, he always has one match. He, he makes a difference. And uh, I knew he, uh, yeah, he saved it for, uh, for last. And... Yeah, he had so much, so much uh, confidence, and yeah, he's the best, best in the world. So, I wouldn't be really happy to uh, take a shoot at uh, against him. <laughs> no, and I mean, after the match, you watched uh, Vincent uh, pick up and hug Shane McLeod. I mean, the the emotion there was incredible. Can, can you sort of can, can you elucidate what it means to your team? You know, because it's 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 been a it's been a really upward journey for you. But this you've you've reached you've reached where you're aiming for now. So for, for Shane and for a lot of you players who've had a lot of experience, this must be. I mean, this has got to be absolutely fantastic, right? Yeah, it's it's still crazy if you think about it. Very, um, yeah, just an an, an amateur team. Uh, and then being able to be uh, Olympic champion, it was a dream of, of all the guys. And yeah, we played for together for such a long time. Uh, I think, yeah, maybe with 12, 13 players, we played together for uh, yeah, almost 10, 10 years. Uh, some guys played uh, in the U together as well. Uh, a lot of us are best friends uh, living uh, uh, nearby each other. So, yeah, it's, it's a goal, a common goal you have together with your friends. And, and, and then, yeah. If you realize it at the highest stage, it's like a, I know it's like a, a weight falling off your shoulder and and everything. Uh, yeah, you you get uh, yeah, so you get I don't know I don't know how to explain it in English, but you get something. Yeah, it's just just happiness for yeah for all the guys next to you for your your teammates and you know how much uh, yeah how much work they put in you know how much sacrifice they they gave. Um, also the staff, also the people behind uh, the scenes who were not, never in the spotlight. Uh, yeah, it's it's about a lot of hard work uh, when nobody's watching, uh, and then yeah, to yeah, be able to rethink everybody at the at the high stage and and seeing your yeah your best friends and teammates in in tears. That's yeah, I think that's something priceless and uh, it's un, yeah you I, I don't think I would ever be. Uh, I'm not, not ever going to recreate it in, in my life, uh, not in a job or something else. So, uh, yeah, that's a privilege uh, being an international player. And luckily, we have a really good team. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we had some uh, uh, amazing moments together. Yeah. I mean, it's so important as athletes and as coaches that you cherish these moments, isn't it? Because like you say, they're, they're rare, but when you, when you have them, they're just absolutely to be reflected on and cherished. I was just going to ask Thomas... Um, Obviously, this this is this is the peak for the team. I mean, um, is, is the plan for the guys to stay together? Do you see any retirements coming up, or are you not at that stage yet to make any decisions along those kind of lines? I think uh, it's going to be difficult uh, for uh, older guys. I, I don't, I didn't hear anybody say they they would quit uh, except me. For me, it was uh, my, my my last game at uh, the Olympic uh, final. Uh, after 15 years, and yeah, I think if you can yeah, quit like like this, um, yeah, it's a dream come true. But it's going to be a challenge to keep keep those guys motivated. We have a, we have a lot of young talents coming up, but uh, yeah, they don't play together for for 10 years um, with, with the other guys. So I think uh, yeah, motivation is going to be key uh, for the older guys and for the newer guys coming in uh, they need to adapt really really fast uh, luckily we have a, i think a culture set in the team now we worked for it for five years so new young guys coming in like uh, victor vignier antoine kina to the slower yeah you see how fast they, they are growing and i think that's really a uh yeah plus point and a really positive point of of our team getting the yeah, at the same level and uh really really fast so uh, I have a lot of confidence that uh, they they will uh, keep on uh, keep on winning or playing play really good hockey. 
it's going to be an interesting um, interesting period for, for for the Red Lions. Obviously, with with Shane McLeod stepping away and, and a new coach coming in, Michelle van der Hervel. Um, I mean, what are what are your thoughts about that? You, you already said that the culture exists. Is Michelle going to be con- continuing that with, with basically the same plan, or he's going to come in with his new ideas for sure? No, I think uh, he's going to continue. He's, he's part of the team for I think five or six years now already. Um, he do, he's doing a lot of work uh, on the field uh, in in trainings. Uh, he's leading uh, the training uh, a lot of the time, and he's doing yeah fantastic job. But of course, he's a he's a great coach, uh, winning, winning everything in uh, with uh, with clubs in in the Netherlands, and uh, he knows the guys now also really really well. So I think yeah, it's important to continue the culture. Uh, but it's going to be interesting how he's going to manage uh, all those guys and, and get everybody motivated to yeah, do it do it one more time or do it again. Alison, looking back on this, plus the World Cup, plus the FIH Pro League, does it concern you uh, that in order for your team to explore new boundaries of performance, you need other teams to be pushing you harder? I mean, I know you say... Um, and, and you know, obviously, we've seen teams that have given that have run you close. But you need—is it the case that you need that continual sort of push and fight from another team in order to help your team achieve what they're truly capable of? Uh, I think that our players do that themselves. You know, the, the, the competition within our team is very high. I think that we also have a culture of um, high expectancy, and uh, you know, we have to work hard in the training. We don't train a lot. Um, so when we train, we, we train hard. Um, I think what other teams, when we play against other teams, we learn to play against different styles and different types of players. Uh, when we train, uh, we play against the same sort of players. Yeah. And if you play against Argentina, you're playing against 3D hockeyers. They play with the ball in the air. We don't have players that do that. So when we play different different teams from different countries, uh, it's about learning different ways of uh, and different styles of play, and uh, that uh, gives us more information. And uh, you know, we go home and we look for players that can do that and that can train against us and with us, or you know, we uh, we will do some drills where that's added into it, so we can learn how to defend it, for example. Um, so it's not so much about them raising the bar; it's we raise the bar ourselves. It's about learning again, learning different things. With, different ways uh, of playing and um, you know like I said uh, our game against England uh, in, the, in the pool matches that was about players learning to play against hard physical you know def- defensively strong players um, fast players you know, players you know we have a lot of fast players but this is a different kind of fast um, it's a, you know so it's about learning how to play against those players and you know uh, it's, it, it's unexpected for them because, again, we play, if you train a year with each other, you train against the same sort of players. It's like if you take a, a, you know, a shootout against the same goalkeepers, you come against a new goalkeeper and it's a different style and it's a different way of uh, defending a, a shootout. So, you know, we raise our own bar. I think that that's, uh, that's a strength of ours. But, you know, playing, I guess, with every team has the same experience playing against different cultures and different teams gives us information. Look, in the end, we want to be better than yesterday. Mm. And if we're good yesterday, we can be better today. And that's it's what it's all about. And uh, if you look to improve every day or learn something small every day, you're growing as a player and growing as a person. And, you know, that's in the, in the end, that's the bottom line of how we operate in our team. Um, and if anything, and if everything's going poorly, there's one thing you can always do, and that's, that's work hard. And, uh, you know, that's, that's our culture. Which teams excited you? Apart from, obviously, you know, you, you've, you've got your team there, but if you look at some of the teams coming through, like Japan, like India and, and teams like that, or Australia even, you know, what, what, what teams do you look at and think, right, they're going to give me a challenge in the, in the coming months and years? I think, look, I think Argentina were very good. I think Germany um, underperformed, uh, particularly in the quarterfinal. Um, they were outperformed, uh, so I think that, you know, they've got some exciting players coming through. India uh, had the most stable program of the whole of all of us, I think, uh, and that showed. I think that they did very well. Um, on the men's side, I like watching South Africa play. I think that that's interesting that South Africa did such a good – I think they were 
are exciting to watch. Um, you know, and the women, uh, India were exciting to watch. I think uh, England are always, I was, I said say GB, right? So I always say England, but it's actually GB, sorry. Uh, GB, um, when it's England, it's different when they're GB. Uh, I think that, you know, GB, when they play together, I think also they've got some different aspects of the game that can, that are, are challenging and exciting to watch. And I, I would have liked to have seen Japan perform a little better. I think that they, they've got some really exciting players in that team that are really interesting. Um, I would have expected, I actually expected more of them uh, from this tournament because I have been following them since 2017 at the Junior World Cup, 2016 at the Junior World Cup. And a lot of the players that were there uh, were at the Olympics now and I thought they were really exciting then. Um, so I think that in the future they might be pretty exciting to watch. Brilliant. Um, Mark, you're obviously leaving the England and Great Britain hockey setup, but you are leaving the team in a in a good place. You know the bronze bronze medalists. Uh, they got the Commonwealth Games as England, as as Alison said, Scotland and and Wales next year. But can you reflect on the on the past couple of years and what you've seen change within the team? At, at this stage, only um, Susanna Townsend's um, officially announced her retirement, so they've still got the core group coming through. Um, probably what I, I haven't been able to see over the last 12 months is is I've seen a, a, some of the young kids coming through, but because we haven't been playing club hockey or we haven't been allowed to get out and about, it's been difficult to see the juniors coming through. I know there are some coming through and, and now it's about them getting the opportunity to perform or getting that international competition. As you stated, next year it's going to be forced upon uh, England uh, because the next year and a bit they are, well, up until post-com um, games, they are England. Um, so then after that, they go back to GB for the next two years leading into Paris. So um, yeah, I think there's five or six currently Scots or Welsh in our group um, that we won't be able to select over the next 12 months. So that, that'll give opportunity for players, I think we've got five or six players playing in Holland or Belgium or Germany who won't, won't be available either for the Pro League. Um, so that they might go to Argentina in February, but they won't play again till after the, the, the Dutch um, season. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity, and I think it's a really good opportunity for those young ones to come in and play Pro League games um, uh, before the the World Cup side selected in in May. So yeah, it's an exciting time for them. Um, and as I said, the, the biggest the biggest hard, hardest thing is because we haven't had club hockey or a lot of competition within the UK. Yeah, it's very been very difficult to know um, how many good juniors there are coming through. They are there, they are there, but it's just now providing the opportunity for them moving forward. Um, I was just going to ask all three of you, just what impact do you think this tournament and this stadium um, will have on hockey growth in Japan? As, as Alison alluded to, you know, they're, they're a team that, that has got heaps of potential. But what, 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 you know, how will hockey be viewed in the country now? You know, I was really impressed by the, the infrastructure uh, they built and uh, I think it was one of the coolest stadiums I ever saw. It was a pity uh, it wasn't full. But uh, yeah, for, I think for hockey, it's just important. Uh, a lot of uh, nations uh, worldwide playing hockey and, and, and performing. I think that's really, really good uh, and really good for, uh, for hockey. So um, yeah, uh, I think uh, like uh, every country, I think uh, they need to invest in, uh, in the program and uh, being able uh, to have good people in, in, in good places. Yeah, I hope uh, they will uh, perform uh, in, in the next tournament to inspire, I think, young people to play hockey. And uh, if you see us coming, uh, coming home after the games and seeing uh, Brussels, the street of Brussels full, full of people with the Belgian flag, um, yeah, I think yeah, it inspires people to play sports. It brings people together, and and yeah, for for the hockey in Belgium, it did uh, really really a lot of good things. So uh, I think yeah, that's that's important to have a I think uh, a structure uh, for that team to be able to perform at the, at the highest stage. And then think I think uh, yeah, people will uh, will follow and, and play play hockey, and they will get better and better. So. But uh, it's it's a long long way to go, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 always a long path. I'll I'll come to both Mark and Alison on that question. But I just want to quickly ask you, Thomas, um, your homecoming. You just you just touched on it. It was quite special, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I, I remember winning the World Cup, and we we came to the market in in Brussels, 
uh, and we thought, yeah, we, we were to, being told uh, there would be a reception. We thought there would be two, 200, 300 people, maybe our family. And, and we, we didn't really want to go. It was going to be a bit embarrassing. <laughs> and then uh, it was Tuesday afternoon, middle of the exams, and uh, there were 8,000 people on the, on, the, on the square. So that was already crazy. And uh, now they arranged uh, uh, like an open bus. So we were driving through the streets really slow of Brussels and people going behind the buses, saw people on rooftops with Belgian flag. And yeah, it was like crazy. Like, is this hockey or are we playing football? Or I, I, I don't know anymore. So yeah, it's such a great feeling that you can yeah, bring so many people together and, and people that really want to show their support uh, to the team because I think maybe sometimes we don't really realize it, but yeah, how much uh yeah people live um they really live with the team and they yeah people get up at, at four o'clock in the morning to watch the team and you give them such, such nice memories yeah. uh and that's that's really cool to see that people come out and and, and show that uh, to the team so it gives also really it's a big part of the motivation uh uh, yeah, Mark. When you look back at uh, Tokyo, what, what what impact do you think that that fantastic stadium and and that fantastic tournament is going to have on the on the people of uh, Japan and their their allegiance and love of hockey? Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I know, having coached there over a couple of years, I, I spent a, a stint there over two years um, at Tenri University, and and the university hockey is quite big um, in Japan. So university company and club play. Um, yeah, I, I hope it takes off. Um, um, I think it'll be very difficult because they didn't get the exposure that they probably deserved having a home Olympics with no crowd. I think it would have taken off more if they had spectators within the stands. They're going to keep the main pitch, I believe, um, in Tokyo and the other, other two are going to go. So, yeah, it, it's just so difficult to know. Um, that Obviously, we know they don't have a lot of funding. Um so with, whether that will stifle their movement forward, I think will be a big issue is, is now that the Olympics are over is, yeah, where's the money going to come from? How are they going to grow the game in Japan even more? Um, I think that's going to be the most difficult thing for them, how they're going to set up their infrastructures to, to help it grow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they love their hockey. They're passionate people. They're good to be around. They are very, very friendly. They'll do anything for you. Um, so... I do hope their hockey does kick off um, and, and we can see them do well in the future. Um, both sides, not just the women, but also the men. You know, I think they they are a side. I can still, my, my memories of coaching there is, I shouldn't say this, but I fell asleep once in the stands watching them train and they just kept training. And one of them had to walk up and they were a bit embarrassed walking up to me to say, to wake me up to go, can we stop now? And I went, oh, gee, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, you finished training now. So, uh, but um, that's the sort of people they are. They just, they just love it. They love the game. They, they just train and train and train and get, they want to get better. Also, I think they train too much at times uh, and they need to taper it off a little bit. Yeah, hopefully it does go well because I think hockey is such an underestimated sport um around the world you know it's it's good to watch it's fast lots of goals um, some great defense um, and it's an exciting game so you know, hopefully it does kick off in the world stage oh, thank you for your unstinting honesty about falling asleep at a japanese yeah. training <laughs> <there>, mark <laughs> um alison just final question on this before we before we wrap up the stadium was absolutely amazing uh, the hockey being played was absolutely amazing um it was just such a shame, wasn't it, that the people weren't there? Because I mean, that that final, both the Netherlands and Argentina are teams that absolutely thrive on the noise and the passion of the crowd. And earlier, we saw some fabulous goals, in particular from the men's Jap- uh, Japanese team, where under n- normal circumstances they'd have run to their crowd and had a absolutely rapturous um, response. So, is that's 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 sort of a problem, isn't it, for the development of the game that they haven't the Japanese people haven't seen that? Oh, I I, I believe that the Japanese did see it, just not live. So I, I try and believe and think that, you know, our game was watched by many people from many countries. Uh, and if I look at, you know, it's just, if we be given some statistics about how many people have watched the finals and watched the games, I think that, you know, because no one was allowed to go, more people may have got up and watched the games and more people have, you know, sat behind the television because they couldn't be there. So, you know, maybe uh, our game was watched more than we think. We just don't know. And, um I think, you know, I agree with Mark. It's, it's, 
it's unfortunate that there's the, the, the Japanese people weren't in the stands, but I, you know, again, um, I, 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 th- I think it'll be okay. I think uh, I think our game did very well in under the under the Olympic, you know, put, uh, uh, the the Olympic umbrella of all the sports. I think that hockey, you know, did very well with how many how many people watched watched our sport and uh, enjoyed our sport. And uh, you know, even coming home, there's people that we had never heard of who we would never think have watched the game, you know, got up and watched games during the Olympics. So that's, I think that's a good, that's a good sign. Um, and, you know, so I think it's a good sign that uh, a lot of schools uh, in, in Japan are playing the game. Uh, they're inviting people from Europe. You know, I've been invited there and I know a lot of other people have been invited there to travel through the country and, you know, go to schools and promote the game. I think that that's something that we can put back into the game and do for Japan uh, to help promote that the, the sport there, um, but I believe that the, you know I really believe they're on they're on a, on the good way. You know they're, they're they're getting there and they'll get there. I just you know we need to maybe put back in um, to the yeah. countries that are maybe less fortunate than we are having the, the infrastructure that we have in our countries. So final question to all three of you from me, um, and I think I'll I'll start with Thomas, and it's going to be a pretty obvious one. Uh, and I expect the answers might be obvious as well. Um, what was your favourite memory um, from Tokyo 2020? Uh, yeah, it's just easy. <laughs> winning, uh, winning the shootouts. <laughs> just uh, yeah, it was it was also crazy, crazy shootouts. Once again, we thought we won it. Uh, then we there was a retake. It was a re- weird decision uh, in 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 our eyes because yeah. There was not really much going on. I think uh, you can. Uh, yeah, I think that, that happens a thousand times when a stick touch a foot, but without losing control or something. So that was we were, we were a bit shocked at the retake. But then again, uh, uh, we had Finney do so. Uh, he saved the day, and uh, just uh, also really happy for him. He was. Uh, yeah, it was a really uh, yeah. He's he is and he was a, a legend. <laughs> yeah. Um. In the post-match press conference, Shane McLeod described him as a goalkeeper from another planet, and I'm sure that's something you agree with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I have some uh, titles now, two in Holland and Europe EHL, uh, which he for us for our team, and now uh, the World Cup he won it for us as well, and our Olympic Games he won it for us as well. So I need to. Uh, yeah, be thankful all my life, I think, for all the titles he gave me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and same question to you, Mark. Uh, for me, I, oh, just the Olympics in general. Um, you know, I just enjoyed being part of it again and being coaching at that level is fantastic. And, yeah, just um, the memories you take away from Olympic Games is is always, you know, some are good, some are bad. But, um, yeah, just, just performance and, and seeing players play as well as they can at a pinnacle event is probably really pleasing for me also. Absolutely. And, and Alison, um, the, the same question, your, your favourite mo- favorite moment from Tokyo 2020? Uh-huh. Um, I would have to say uh, the most unexpected and was that the girls got me to watch the Bachelor, the Holland Bachelor Holland version during the Olympic Games <laughs> more than once. Uh, that would have to be. I think I, I spent an hour with these with the girls, what them watching The Bachelor and me complaining that I was watching The Bachelor, but I did it and I did it twice, and they loved it because I was there. And um, you know, those are the small things and the small moments that make that you're a team and make that you're you know in the end winning. You know, them winning the gold medal is fantastic, but. You know, the fact that, and I even watched it last week to keep up with them, you know, so it's kind of, it's, those things are the things that keep you, you know, keep you sane and keep you as part of the team and, yeah, so I would say that would be, uh, that would be the one. A wonderful moment of self-sacrifice for the, uh, for the good of the team. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to do it, Mark. It's worth, it's worth watching. It's, uh... Uh, I've said it, Alison, that and Love Island. No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Love Island, had to watch that as well. Nah. Crazy, crazy, nah. crazy stuff. Yeah. I just I just can't comp- comprehend those shows. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas just... to get to know the girls a little better. Yeah, Thomas watches them as well, I know, secretly. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> 
You'll be on the next Bachelor. You'll be the Bachelor. Never. <laughs> uh, Rich, do you want to just wrap up with where people can watch and listen and enjoy hockey? Uh, yes, of course. Um, so, yeah, you can keep up to date with all the latest news from the world of hockey on the FIH website, which is fih.ch, or on the social media channels, um, Facebook, FI Hockey, Instagram, FI Hockey, and on Twitter, um, which is at FIH underscore hockey. Uh, don't forget, there's also the watch.hockey app, uh, which is posting news and, uh, and, and video clips and all sorts of interviews that Sarah conducts. <laughs> brilliant well guys thank you so much that's that's been an entertaining lively great chat my congratulations to all of you for your achievements um both at these olympics and and throughout your hockey careers but, um sort of special wishes to mark and allison on the forthcoming vote for the fih coach of the year um apart from that nothing left to say apart from thank you so much for your uh, for your input today thank you thanks sarah thanks, thanks guys thanks so much